are two people walking down a dirt road. There's spring flowers that dot the landscape. It's been hot, but as the sun goes down, it begins to cool, like our spring here. Perhaps you've been out at 8 or 9 and felt the air get a little chill. There are two people walking down the road, a man, a woman, maybe husband and wife, talking earnestly, going over the events as people do when there is a tragedy. Really, I can't believe it, someone says. He was so strong and so vital. He could have made different choices. He didn't have to die. We had hoped for so much more. We had hoped, aren't those poignant words? You know, don't they say a lot? We had hoped that something would be different. They speak of disappointed dreams, of grief, of the curveballs and the strikeout and the beanballs that hit us in the head throughout our lives. I think of a student, a little boy who, with his dad, practiced catching and fielding and batting all summer long only to not make the team because he just was not very good. I think about how disappointed he could be. And I think about my friend Linda, who after five miscarriages, finally had a son. And she and her husband were planning his life, you know, because they were so excited. But when he got to school, they found out he had some pretty severe learning disabilities. And one day, Linda said, you know, I've been daydreaming about him going to college and what he'd major in. And we had hoped for so much more for him, for us. We had hoped is a dream drained of energy the future cut off, a promise that proved to be false, we had hoped. We'd hoped to make the grade, the job fulfilling. We'd hoped the children would be successful, the life of the city improved. We had hoped that disease and disability would be kept at bay. We had hoped that things would be different. Two people are walking along a path, talking, dissecting the events of the day. They're joined by a third person whom they don't recognize who inquires about their conversation. The two people are followers of Jesus, and Jesus, only a few days ago, has been crucified, dead, and buried. The other person inquires and he says, what's this you're discussing so intently as you walk along? They just stood there, long-faced like they had lost their best friend, and one of them 
his name was Cleopas, said, are you the only one in Jerusalem who hasn't heard what happened during the last few days? He said, what has happened? They said the things that happened to Jesus, the Nazarene. He was a man of God, a prophet, dynamic in work and word, blessed by both God and all the people. Then our high priest and leaders betrayed him, got him sentenced to death, then crucified him. And we had, our, we had hope that he was the one, the one about to deliver Israel. And now it's the third day since it's happened. But some of our women have completely confused us. Early this morning they were at the tomb and couldn't find his body. They came back with the story that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of our friends went off to the tomb to check and found it empty, just as the women said that they didn't see Jesus. Then he said to them, by now you've guessed this is Jesus. So thick-headed, so slow-hearted, why can't you simply believe all that the prophet said? Don't you see that these things had to happen, that the Messiah had to suffer and only then enter into his glory? Then he started at the beginning with the book of Moses and went on through all the prophets, pointing out everything in the scripture that referred to him. They came to the edge of the village where they were headed. He acted as if he were going on, as if he, they pressed him. It was the custom. You know, you didn't presume someone would bite you in, and they'd say, come in. Oh, no, no, I couldn't. No, come in. Oh, really? No, come in. All right. And they said, stay and have supper with us. It is nearly evening. The day is done. So he went in with them. And here is what, is, what happened. He sat down at the table with them. Taking the bread, he blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. Clearly, the Last Supper, the feeding of the 5,000, brought back from their memory into the present. At that moment, open-eyed, wide-eyed, they recognized him, and then he disappeared. Back and forth they talked. Didn't we feel on fire as he conversed with us on the road, as he opened up the scriptures to us? The two followers had pinned their hopes on Jesus. They had hoped that he would be the one to rally Israel to throw off the Roman yoke. They had hoped that things would be different, and they had not counted on the fact that suffering and death might be part of God's plan. Jesus has little patience with their ideas of worldly success and power. So he traces the scriptures, beginning with Moses all the way through the prophets, talking about how the one from God would suffer, how through him not only
only Israel, but the world would be redeemed. And then in the breaking of the bread, they recognized him. The living Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, can be in our midst. And of course, day to day, we do not see him. Life can be so busy or so overwhelming or full of sorrow or full of pleasure that we don't recognize that he's with us. But every now and then, a stranger's words will call into mind. A piece of scripture will open our hearts. Two or three of us will be gathered to pray and study And someone will say, you won't believe what happened. You know what we've been praying for? Jesus can be present now in the world, will to persevere, and friends accept him. And in a call to make a difference. There can be moments when our hearts can be absolutely on because Jesus has been alive and present for us. Some of us have had a vision or a moment that changed our lives forever, but I'll wager most of us it's more ordinary. It's been a moment when we've gained insight into ourselves, insight into others, insight into God. I loved it that one of the confirmands, they read the book of Mark, and she said when we were talking about it, I didn't know all the disciples ran away on the night he was arrested. Isn't that cool that she knows that all the disciples got scared just like we do? And now she wants to read all about the crucifixion. Sometimes Jesus is present and longing to know more about him. Longing to be touched by him. I like these two slides. They're done by contemporary Christian painters. It's hard to see Jesus in both of them. But Jesus, why don't we go back to the last one. But his face is hidden here. Can you see it? And the person there is talking to another. And it's like Jesus is hidden in that person's life down deep. But we couldn't see it. And in this other one, where the signs of the cross and the face and the cup are fragmented, And it's hard to kind of make it out. And sometimes that's how it feels when we try to find Jesus. Last weekend, we went on an Alpha retreat. The class did just for Saturday morning and the afternoon. And part of the day, people were supposed to take a piece of scripture and spend 40 minutes in silence. They couldn't talk to anybody. And... That's hard for some people. But one person, after it was over, said, I just thought the 40 minutes would drag. 
But then I got outside and I started looking around and thinking and I began to write about my relationship with God and the time flew. I never thought it could be that way. That God could be so close in that moment. Pretty ordinary exercise. And yet sometimes we find Jesus just right there. Opening up new things to us. This week I was reading a book called Hope. It's not just wishful thinking. And Robbie Pinter, who's a Christian and an English teacher, talked about when she gave an assignment to the class and she asked everybody in the class to think of a play or a poem and relate it to their lives. Robbie Pinter believes that the transcendent, that God, that the Holy Spirit can come through ordinary things. And there was this young woman who chose a dollhouse, the play The Dollhouse, and focused on when the wife leaves her husband because she has to get out. And the young woman said, my mom left our family when I was two. I always thought it was because she was a bad person or because I was a bad person. But now I see that maybe there were other reasons that I really don't know. I think the Holy Spirit was present in that exercise, helping a young woman in a way to redeem the past, to see it differently, to know something else. She was given new eyes to see the world. Do any of y'all know John Meeker? He's an elder at Second Presbyterian Church. Wonderful man. He used to be my neighbor, and he else worked on um, the mayor's poverty commission. He said when he was a, a young boy, he was taught to read the Bible and pray. And when he was a teenager, he would do that, and he found such peace and closeness to God. As an adult, when he did that, he didn't feel that same way until he started to work on issues of poverty. And it was like Jesus was right there with him. That peace, that connection came back to him. He had new eyes to see the world. They were God eyes. There are times when even the ordinary may change and there can be moments when we see the transcendent. Blaise Pascal was a mathematician and a physicist and an inventor by the age of 19, he was already known in his country. He invented all kinds of things I can't even describe. There was the world where 
everyone said reason is the only way. If it's not reasonable, we can't believe. And he struggled with faith and reason. And when he died, sewn into his coat was a piece of paper. It was just a piece of paper that he, that he had sewn there. And what it said was November 23rd, 1654, about half past 10 in the evening until half past 12, fire. God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, and not of the philosophers and savants. Certitude, certitude, healing, joy, peace. There are times in the ordinary, and sometimes God breaks in like a fire and changes our hearts, and we are given new eyes to see the world. And sometimes we become the presence of Jesus. Jesus called the the church into being so that when others look at us, they could see Christ. When we reach out into the world, people could see Jesus Christ. We hope. And our hope is that in life and in death, God is with us. Christian hope is a stance of confidence. We remember that God is faithful in the past, and particularly when we are going through a lot of darkness. And we hope that God will provide for the future. We claim God's gift of hope in many ways in reading the scripture and praying for the kingdom and receiving Holy Communion and in singing hymns. But ultimately, hope is grounded in the experience of Easter, in the presence of Christ, in you, in me in the ongoing life of the church who does make a difference in the world. 